Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Yes Ref podcast with me, Ollie Ballinger. And me, Ben Williamson. Ben, new week. What's going on? Uh, what is going on? Not much. Lack of football. Apparently not. 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 Yeah, lack I feel of like I've caught you off guard. Yeah, you change the question every week and I'm ne- I never sure. I like, had an answer prepared and then you've asked something slightly different and it threw me off a little bit. But I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Getting cold. But um, oh, I ref- horrible. I referee indoors, so it's really oh, not an issue. Like it's really, it's really not an issue. Now, before we introduce our uh, next guest, we got a little favour to ask you. Those uh, those of you watching, those of you listening, there's a little button. That- might be here. Here. <laughs> we would love it if you would just go and subscribe. It really helps us promote the channel and share our story and stories of our guests with those of you around the world. So, without further ado. Let's introduce our next guest. Now, we've got, got an interesting one here. We've got a sports official, so that probably isn't surprising. But a sports official who's experienced in his field and has taken the leap from football to rugby union. Shane, welcome. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to see some friends. Yes. If I can say that. Acquaintances, <laughs> please, yeah. if you will. <laughs> As we were saying before we started, obviously we all know each other, but yeah, really good, really good, good to see you guys uh, getting this started up and having some success. Been cool. listening so far? Yes, been listening, seen some cool guests, um, probably favourite ones, that's Stuart Carrington, I just think he's, uh, I've read his book, he's obviously switched on, it'd be good to see him get on, but yeah, looking forward to having a chat with you boys. Thank you, mate, thanks for coming. And you a bit of a podcast listener yourself? <clears throat> yeah, I was saying to you that I'm a dog walker, so in the mornings I stick my... Uh, little Dre earphones in. I think it's a cool concept. I think it's a good concept. You're out, you're walking around, you can listen to educational ones. Obviously, as a referee, I find myself listening to a lot of rugby refereeing podcasts from my background. Some football, nice to hear those boys talk every now and again when they're allowed to. Um, mm-hmm. Insightful. So yeah, listen to your podcast, listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, I, I find that um, they do give you a, a lot of tips and hints on what you can do better and what you shouldn't be doing. So good to know that ours is your favourite one to listen to. So that's yeah. bang it. I've subscribed. I've told my friends to do the same. Come on, come on. Well, let, let's let's start. So you've taken the jump from being a football referee to being a rugby union referee. Correct. Can you give us a bit of background and then tell us why? Yeah. So I started refereeing in about 2012, 2013, I think. Um, it's a little bit of a joke, to be honest. Uh, I was fighting professionally at the time. Used to do a mixed martial arts. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ben wasn't Ben wasn't aware of that. To anyone that doesn't know Shane, that is very new. First yeah. time, <laughs> first time information. And just as a, I got an injury, and as a joke, my housemate George Jones, if he wants a plug, um, he said to me, "I think you could referee football." And I was like, Do "You know what? It'd be so easy. I could do the Champions League final next week. I don't know why they make it look so difficult." And I realised very, very fast as soon as I started, it, it, it was really difficult. Uh, you know, those first six games they let you do in an under-18s scenario to almost get your P-plates done, um, I was rubbish. And I was really scared of everyone was shouting at me and asking for a decision. And I guess you either fall in love with it or you don't. You either enjoy it or you don't. You either find that it's something you want to do or you don't. And I did. And I'm one of those sorts of people that it will come out in the rugby chat. I just wanted to move up the levels as quickly as I could. So I think I was, I'll say old, uh, 32, I think when I started. Okay. So still 32 now. <laughs> yeah, 10 years on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so had you had a career in, in MMA before you took up referee? So, 
So I was sort of midway through. I wouldn't say career would make it sound like I'd gone to, same with football, you know, a career, rugby a career. I started in about 2006, seven doing MMA just to lose a bit of weight and learn some self-defense and it just developed. I'm just one of those people that when I get hold of something, I just want to go and try and be as good as I can be. doesn't mean I'm going to make the Premier League, doesn't mean I'm going to make the UFC, but what I can't do is just do it and then just go, oh, well, let's see what happens. I just want to go, right, let's set the ceiling as high as we can. Um, and then, yeah, carried that on. So I had some pro fights. I didn't, you know, fight in America on TV or anything, but... It's probably fair to say that you did fight abroad and you did win some medals though, didn't you? Correct. Correct. I've I've won one fight on Sky TV. You know, it wasn't live. It wasn't a glitzy event, but, you know, it's a few thousand people. You're fighting in a cage. It can be nervy. Uh, I've competed in jiu-jitsu abroad and, and, and won myself some gold medals. I've lost a fair amount of times as well, but I've won more than I lost. But that's the sort of thing that, that, that builds character and probably helped in my refereeing as well. Cool. Like, that shouldn't be underplayed. Like, yeah. We joke about it. We've heard about it once a day every time we're out refereeing. But it's quality, right? Like, it's really cool. I thought I brought a brand in and I don't think football embraced it as much as I believe rugby has done. And I'm sure we'll get on to that. Um, and, and obviously I brought my, my football refereeing experience into rugby. Um, but I think going back to why did I get into football, done as a little bit of a joke to see how it would go. Um, and then just sort of fell in love with it alongside a parallel MMA career at the time I stopped about 2015, 16, just if I'm honest, getting hit in the head. And as you age, it just didn't seem like the most sensible thing to be doing. <laughs> no, no. Talk to me a little bit about um, umpiring a refereeing in MMA. How does it work? So, so in refereeing, and I've been asked about going into that, I just, I don't think for me, if I was going to look at that, it would capture the essence of being an official. They do a difficult job, um, but... They judge? What do they no, do? The, guys in the, the guys in the middle will absolutely control the event. Same as in boxing, you know, they will, they will deduct points. They will separate fighters when they need to. They will call fouls. In, M in MMA, where there's the you know the fights go to the ground and there's submissions um, and you can hit on the ground, it's very incumbent upon the referee to be absolutely active and in the right place, moving about a lot more. And and for, for fighter safety, we you know it's typically controversy in every sport. Sometimes fighters that are getting obliterated on the floor will say, "Why have you stopped the fight?" And conversely, you, you know the classic Carl Carl Froch, if you know who he is, George Groves, where that first fight was was stopped very early and it, and it leaves a bad taste. Referees can, again, they think they're doing the right thing by the fighter, even in world title fights, and they've just jumped in too early. So controversy follows every official. But I just think that's what they do. For me, I don't feel like I am I would be involved, so I never looked to go down that path. I know that wasn't your question, but friends do say to me, have you ever thought of refereeing boxing or refereeing MMA? Um, and I've always said no, because I'm sure you know as football referees yourself and myself now as a rugby official, I like the the aspect of the the control, the complication, the grey, you know, the getting your head into that. So yeah, MMA officiating, they do a great job, know some great guys in that. Same with boxing, they've got a very, very tough job. People's health is literally on the line. Um, sometimes they make good calls, sometimes they don't. And, and haven't we heard that many, many times in our career? So your uh, football career then, you um, started 2012, 2013 is a bit of a mate's bet. Yes. Found the bug. Correct. And then where did you where did you go with it? So, so I just want to know what what gave you the bug? Um, Why did you have the bug? 
You said you enjoyed it, whatever. Why the bug? I think if we got every referee into this room and we took out abuse, which I'm sure we'll talk about, we talk about challenges and things like that, that I think every referee will say that they really love what they're doing um, in terms of being a referee. I don't think everybody you know, does it for the money or or does it for the big crowds or does. There's an art to refereeing. Um, and I think it is an art um, or a science. Uh, and I just think you, you, we all have a love for that. And I'm one of those people. We have different reasons for that. I just got onto the pitch and was just like, I didn't feel like the matrix, but I could just, when I played football at a lowish level and when I fight at a reasonable level and when I do jujitsu, I find it difficult. It's all happening to me at hundred miles an hour. When I referee or when I'm coaching in the corner, I just find everything's happening at a different pace that I can absorb and add value to and, you know, just have a philosophical approach and, help the game develop and I started there that day in Chippenham with all those 16 year olds yelling and screaming at me I didn't know if it was a goal kick or not but I was just like I'm totally in control of this and it's almost like um art or painting a picture or whatever way you would look at it I would go into every game and it's just 11 blokes kicking the ball against 11 other blokes but they're all different all the games are different and I stand there and I go what picture am I painting today you know and 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 I can influence that and that's why I think um a lot of those skills mapped onto rugby because you're even more in control of the game. It's more complicated laws. So, you know, you asked what gave me the bug. It was, it's just the re- pure refereeing. Pure refereeing gave me the bug. The dissent and the abuse does dilute that. And I think that's why I prefer rugby now. And again, we'll get onto that um, because I'm completely in control of that game and left to referee and there's more to do. I think if you take the dissent and the abuse out of football, there isn't a great deal for for referees to do. There's there's penalties, there's red cards, which would I think you know disappear a little bit more if there was less dissent. Um, but I think in football, there's the game's so fluid, so so three dimensional. It's all over the place at all times. Um, I think in rugby, there's a there's a lot more nuance to it. But yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah. Probably get through a game of football refereeing, and it probably probably not quite the same in futsal actually. That you could get through a game with six free kicks. Yes. You've blown the whistle for the start of the game, the end of the game, three fouls in each half, start the second half, end the second half, you can shake hands and go home. Yeah. There is, There can be games where there's not much to do. It's probably not the same in futsal because it's a lot quicker. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, I would say um, you're probably not likely to have a, um, a boring game in futsal. But I would say that's more because of you have team fouls, so like each team is limited to five fouls. So you always have that overbearing factor on the on the game. So if you want to set your level a little bit low, you start giving two or three free kicks. The closer you get to that five, you know the tempo of the game changes. Challenge. And it, and some of the rules are attacking. Like you can't play a one-two with the goalkeeper all afternoon, like you can in football. Right? Yeah. So like you get to do that once, and then it's got to go. So like there are just a couple of subtle rules that almost force the game to be attacking. Yeah. And maybe because you've got 22 people on the pitch in football, there's enough space sometimes. And if you've got no egos, people are just happy to put the ball down and play. You might have a and quiet then, day at the office. Was in rugby, because we'd only really make a decision when two players come in together. And you might you could go 15, 30 seconds without two football players going to tackle the ball, right? Because of the style of football they have. Whereas in rugby, that's not going to happen because you can only pass the ball backwards. So you've got to have that contact. So you've, you're constantly making that decision of, is that fair contact? Is it foul contact? Is it a free kick? Free kick, whatever. Wrong terminology, you know what I meant. But so that means the rugby game can be more challenging, more technically difficult to referee because there's always decisions to make, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so the question originally was, you know, what what would make you fall in love with with the game? And I was saying about, you know, the the complications, the student, the art. And I think in in rugby, so much happens non decision wise that um, it brings out your passion in the game because you 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 really are the, the the sole arbiter of how a game flows. Like you said in football, it can go all over the place. And if you actually take, like I said, if you take out the dissent and you take out the challenge to your authority, you're not needed for goal kicks, for corners, for throw-ins. That would just be left to itself. There'd be less fouls, the little niggles and stuff, the little trips. Again, you're not really needed. You'll have to blow the whistle, but the game would expect that to just take care of itself. Absolutely, a referee's skill level is needed for red cards. It's needed for penalties, but how many of those happen in a game? So you actually step back for getting off sides. They're absolutely need- are needed. And really difficult. Yeah. You go across the That's rugby. my KMD number one show. <laughs> you go across, go across the rugby, as you were rightly pointing out, with how the game is structured. At, at a tackle in rugby, there are numerous things that have to happen in law. So a player gets tackled and it looks very simple, but a referee is making a lot of decisions here because when the tackle is made, player is brought to ground. The player has to release the ball. The tackler has to roll away. He has to disappear behind an offside line. An offside line is created for both teams. A player comes into what we call jackal or lift up the ball before a ruck is formed. That has to happen in law. He can't pick the ball up with his hands if a ruck is formed. So I've got to decide, has a ruck formed? If the player lifts it up, is the guy on the floor holding it? Has he lifted it up? The ruck forms, there's laws around the ruck, entries into it, et cetera, et cetera. Then the ball gets passed and then that happens again. And again, and again, to about three or 400 tackles. So imagine how many non-decisions I'm making in a game before we get into the 21 laws, the 300 pages of laws, the co- which is a potential barrier to the growth of the sport. Football's easy to look at and understand what's going on. We kick it, it goes in a goal. Happy days. You could say you run to the end and you put the ball down. But I've just explained to you something and Ben's glazing over already. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying... The, this is pure refereeing now. So when you ask me w- what I enjoy, I enjoy the fact that it's up to me to understand materiality. Do I blow my whistle every two seconds? I came across from football. I thought I was a legend. I'm blowing the whistle. I'm giving decisions. I'm going, I had 40, 50 penalties, where you average about 15 or 20 a game. I thought it was amazing. People are looking, going, like, he's, yeah, he's blowing for everything. He's absolutely smashing the game to pieces. So I understood very quickly that actually my job is to learn materiality can i get the game flowing can i remove that tackler from that area that i told you about can i just push a player who's offside back and the ball gets passed out and i leave it alone can i call a player who's in front of a kicker back just then i went preventative than reactive um no i think it's both i think the skill of a referee involves both preventative comms and i get told off you'll be surprised for saying too much in a game no, you don't. Yeah, but don't the same is true in football so like it would not be uncommon for a referee to turn around and say no foul don't foul leave him alone right and you'll have two managers on the sideline going don't tell my players what to do yeah you're not here to coach yeah but, so, but, but you speak about in rugby about pushing a player back on side which is very much a proactive action yes but you're doing that to allow the game to flow and the managers are okay with that? Um, managers in rugby don't tend to get involved like football. It could be a different, you know, segment. Even if it's no ag, just the point of you being a little bit preventative yes. is considered part of the culture of the game? Yes. You go-, you go back to the art of refereeing and what 
the we're trying to get out of a game for me my philosophy is around players deciding the game so and space in the game that's all i think about can i make the players decide the game can i create space in the game so by pushing that guy back with one word we don't need to have a long conversation i might jog alongside him because the the flow of a game is different in rugby to football i've got the time to walk alongside and say look Ben, um, that's three times I've, I've walked you back. Next time I'm going to penalise you. We talk about ask, tell, penalise. So we don't want to go straight in because to start with it, just penalise. Like, I've got this law book with 400 pages. Because <laughs> that was my nerve, my nervy part about moving from football to rugby wasn't the skills around being a referee. It was around the law book. I'm like, I, I've watched England. I've watched the British Lions. But I didn't play. I played as a kid as a really poor player in a quite good team in my in, at Sheldon School in Chippenham. But I haven't, I haven't played since I was 15. I haven't watched club rugby. I've got no rugby in my eyes. When I watch a game, I'm just going, oh, it's a big hit. Or that's good. I'm not looking at a ruck or a maul or all the things that I just talked about in the tackle there. So I was really nervous about the law. So I really studied up on the law and I wandered in and just like clobbering everyone with the law book. But only for, for weeks. It, 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 this materiality thing was very, very important. You can blow up at every single breakdown if you want. And I guess in football, there's stuff we, or you, I say we. I don't know what I'm You have to say you. <laughs> you, but, but us as a collective, what are we trying to get out of the game? Your question was managers will potentially get annoyed. Don't tell my player what to do. But I think we should, that's why we have advantage. You know, we want we want the play to continue, that the crowd want, is it expected? Play, right? It's not about the referee in the middle. Yeah. The spotlight's going to come on us at some point. Is there a way we can we can avoid it? And the amount of times in football, which is a, I think it's a completely different sport to referee, of course, but there's a, there's synergies that, that it's it's difficult because in football they want you to get everything right, same as in rugby. They'll scream at you when they get it wrong. Potentially same in rugby, but the game wants to keep going in football in rugby it stops more in football it's almost like the players as you you guys would know would complain and scream at you for not dealing with something then when you deal with it it's like ref we just want to play yeah. why just stop the game so it's yeah. that balance was very difficult so those comms you were talking about i wouldn't understand why a manager if you could see a guy grabbing a shirt you'd get you know you stop the game at a corner and say can you stop grabbing him and do this or i'm gonna have to penalize someone you're just highlighting to everybody those two guys are under pressure here that corner comes in and he i've already warned you bosh penalty but in rugby, I think there's a lot more of it, but we've got to be careful and me included. And it's something that I'm really working on that we don't just coach through the game. Yeah. If you're offending, you're going to be penalised. Yeah. If you're consistent, why are you doing it? I'll give you a classic example, one more. In rugby, when a knee hits the ground, that is a tackle. So that's the definition. What, you know, Obviously, if you're completely brought to ground, it's a tackle, but the guy has to release him. So you find a lot of referees will scream, tackle, tackle, release. So what do players do? They're very cute. They just want that extra second or two for their defence to get on. So they'll just hold the player and look at you. Tackle, really? Well, you've committed an offence. Why am I coaching? Because all they'll do is, at every single potential grey area, they'll lay in the tackle zone and they'll just look at you as if, just get out. Or bosh, penalty, and then you it's funny. You haven't done it. There we go. So, so there, is a, there is a case for the preventative communication, but there's also a case to just say, referee, what's in front of you and, and react as you ask, preventative versus reaction. I think the skill of us as referees is when is it material? When has it affected a game? Has he tried to get an advantage out of it? And that's what I love about it's happening so fast all the time in rugby, those decisions around that tackle. In football, two players come together, the ball's boost. You don't even think about it. You ask if there's been a foul, but you're definitely not thinking about off sidelines or has he released the ball or has the guy really it's a lot going on less less to think about per tackle it's yes. probably fair isn't it 
Do you um, do you think there's more advantage played as a sports official in rugby in comparison to football? So, like, you know, if we was to give four, three or four advantages a game, like we would be excelling. Yes. Do you think there is a lot more of that in rugby? Culturally, there has to be. And it's mainly because it lasts longer. You could have advantage go on for minutes in rugby because it's tactical or territorial. So the freedom when you play an advantage for an offence allows the team to play the ball in any way they deem fit. So you might take more of a risk to kick a ball long thinking my winger might get on it because I'm going to come back for the penalty. The other one would be territorial. You're moving forward, thus gaining an advantage. The skill for a referee is, and again, I had to learn it, is we're not booking travel lodges here and coming back for when you finish an advantage. If you've put an arm out for an advantage and the ball's going sideways or backwards, we'll just get that game restarted from the penalty. So there is more advantages. There's a reason for that. Um, They can go on for longer. Um, There's a lot more things that you can offend in. If it's serious foul play, same as in football, um, we use the word serious foul play that would never necessarily result in a red card, but someone hits someone with a high tackle around the halfway line. Do you you want to make a statement around that tackle to say, I don't want any of that and smash up a penalty? Or do you want to play a cute advantage that just roll sideways for 20 seconds and everyone forgets why you gave the penalty so I think it's again another skill something that we um can be your best friend and your worst enemy in football I found it a skill of mine um I could this this whole thing of looking at a game and it happening in slow motion I could almost pick up that the fullback was going to get onto the end of the ball and that it was going to spill and I'd play advantage and and I, I never think we get the rewards from observers for the outcomes of those advantages a lot of the time. Um, but I do see some excellent advantages in football, but you've only got moments. And the worst one, if you guys can, uh, can, can think of, is the left back gets pinged, he smashes a ball long, and then you've got to wait because if it lands at the winger and I've blown up for the advantage in football, <laughs> right in front of the technical area, everyone's screaming at you. So it can be your best friend and your worst enemy, but the question was around um, the differences. There is a big, big difference um, because you can just play it for a whole lot longer in rugby. I think... From an observer's point of view, I observe lower level football. I, I think advantage is just not a risk worth taking because we look at the skill set of the players that we're probably refereeing at level seven, six, five. In general football, in terms, they are not the world's best players. I think that's probably fair. The pitches and the facilities they're playing on are probably not the best facilities ever. And our, as officials, understanding or knowledge of how those players play. It's probably not that great. So I always advise referees, it's probably not a risk worth taking. Unless the ball is just about to roll in the back of the net, why are we playing an advantage? Because they're probably not good enough from the halfway line to get past four players, cross the ball in and header in the back of the net for you to get your worldly advantage that gives you an extra point nothing of a mark in advantage, where the risk of it is you lose control, everyone starts fighting because you've missed it, you haven't done it, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I don't think advantage is worth playing so there's no competency there is a competency but it doesn't so your advice is don't do it but i'm not no the risk there's risk of reward right well this is not at all because if you feel the competency and it goes really well on that odd occasion that it does go really well the skill sets really good the facilities are great the players know how to play and you've called it at the right time for something to happen i.e a goal scored because by gaining a bit of territory in football or gaining 10 yards don't really do anything to then lose the ball because they're not very good. And that's, a- and that's another difference as well. The territory aspect, the set piece, the line out, the kicking for three points. 
you know, there's a lot more scores in in rugby. So actually, like, as you've said, maybe in football, how many times does an advantage lead to anything positive? But I would also say, which is another criticism in, um, in terms of me looking back to my football days around refereeing to a set of marks, I'm so glad I've left that behind because in rugby, it's not something that they would ever get bogged down on. You actually don't even have marks on the observation forms. No. Touch on that in a minute. Just to finish this conversation, what you're saying is you're happy for the game to become start-stop for the sake of the referee's advancement in his career? Oh, we silenced him. I'm thinking. I don't want to just throw out an answer. Your question is, am I happy for the game to become start-stop so that the referee can advance his career? No. But that's your advice, not for that reason. But that is your advice. No. No, it's not for that reason because what constitutes a good advantage is it like the team want to score a goal, right? So if you're going to play an advantage and the team's not going to score a goal... Give them the free kick because it'll be in their benefit. They may want the advantage because they think they all think they're the world's best players. Unfortunately, they're not at counter league football. So it's probably more advantage to them to have the free kick in the first place because you're on a dodgy pitch. It's so boggy. You're not going to be able to kick it and score a goal from the halfway line. You've still got seven players to get past. The actual advantage to them, without them probably even knowing it, is just have the free kick and get on with it rather than us who are not skilled in that art because we've been refereeing a year or two, three years to, to go and play an advantage, which then risks your match control and then because someone can't control their temper gets sent off because you didn't or didn't play an advantage. I don't think the risk for the versus the reward is right for the referee. Plus, I don't think the game actually wants it at that level. I'm a risk taker, so I loved advantage, whether it worked for me or not. I do think the moments thing doesn't help football. I think they could change that to... I don't know if you put seconds on it, but just leave it at the referee's discretion. We want the game played. We want fluidity in the game. Um, I hear what you're saying about the levels. So horses for courses is, 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 you know, maybe you would make a judgment. I did like the traffic light system. If you split the pitch up into red, amber, green, it could help you. But I always, some, you know, you, you find late in the game, it's one or someone gets nibbled by their own penalty area and they potentially is even a yellow card, but the ball spills to the winger. It's one or the crowd are up. It's the one time if you measure a heart rate, all of a sudden the ref shouts advantage. I've added something to the game. And my coach, my former coach in football used to say, and I've got to try not to swear here because the advice involved a swear word, but he just said, come the end of the game, if you've played advantage for a winning goal, you should give yourself a big pat on the back because that's all you're there for. Yeah. You, you know, you've there, you've added to the game. So I slightly disagree with Ben. I can see what he's saying about... Yeah, that, I'd argue that's an advantage, right? Because it advantages the team. Pull it back on the edge of the area because you would say, look after yourself. It's only half a mark. If everyone's up there and they can love the ball forward and that's happened, absolutely, you're going to go, well, go on because it's the 1v1. And that's the odd occasion you'd go, that's a cracking advantage, well done. It has added value to the game. Whereas 90% of the other ones recognise being all three of us who've been active football officials and we've played an advantage and, and you've tried and it's not worked out and the observer smashed you that's what I think Ben's no, getting yeah. don't play it but that's the skill this is what you asked me what I like yeah, about yeah. refereeing that's the can you slow it down in your mind it's a lot to digest thinking in, in rugby because we play it for longer it's actually an easier skill maybe not even thinking about it this is teased out this is a more difficult skill for a football referee because he's only got moments and those moments can create a, an amazing advantage and a crowd going up and the managers, but it, that's what we're there for. Or it can poop out and it goes wrong. 10, 15 games, you'd go, that was actually a brilliant advantage. Yeah. Every other one, you go, why are you playing? It can be a game with it. What about, what about when you've given an advantage and it's 
contributed to the winning goal and the observer doesn't even pick it up and you've got to bring it up in your diary because you think i haven't had the best of games today if there's one thing i've got right i had a yeah yeah i had a player jump on my back and i'm having to say to him away you go you're gonna the home team already hate me and then at the end of the debrief when you know i've been absolutely battered i've had to go is the observation over? And he said, yeah, I said, it would just be remiss of me to point out that I did play advantage for the winning goal. Just, he went, no, no, I've got it in my notes. I was like, oh, brilliant. This, this is going to be great. Now. I think this is probably an interesting topic to give to our um, uh, listeners. Like, and the question very much is, do you play safe with advantage or do you take a more riskier approach? And does the game become start-stop? Or does the game flow? Because if I'm a manager, I'm going to want the game to flow. If I'm a referee looking for promotion, I'm going to favour start-stop. So leave your thoughts in the comments and let's uh, have the debate. Mal, back to you, Shane. We digressed quite um, significantly into the, the contract. That was always going to happen. I yeah, think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just, um, if you wouldn't mind, put a uh, bookend on your footballing journey yeah. as a referee and then tell us how you transferred across into... Rugby and why rugby? Why not netball? Yeah, interesting. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I really enjoyed football. I got, I think, eight seasons done. I went very fast. I was fortunate that um, Ben, um, over just local to here in Laycock, when I was changing in cupboards as you do at level seven, um, observed me and, and helped. Yeah, Nicest thing you've ever said to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, not seven to five, five to four, four to three, relatively quick. And I do think for people that have got a bit of an aptitude, and I wasn't a kid at the time, moving on quick, great. Didn't need much of a pat on the back. The four to three done in a season off the Hellenic, I think, was reasonably impressive if you know what the Hellenic League is. Amazing. And 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 you know, Brian King, who runs it, was really good with me. Promoted me up. Happy days. And then I go into core, the centre of excellence, as it was in its. Uh, infancy I think back in 2019 or something like that before COVID and you get a coach uh, Brendan Malone was mine he's brilliant with me um, you know ex-championship referee himself so again could feed that stuff into me but I think that's where um, I started to struggle a little bit I picked up my own coach from day one because as I said to you earlier I just wanted to excel and, and get and be the best my talent would let me be I picked up a guy called a bloke called Guy Beale um, he was part of an almost breakaway thing called you are the ref uh, doesn't exist anymore that was having ex-referees like Mark Holsey, Keith Hackett, these sorts of guys, um, Dean Mahareb, just setting up a group of like training pods. And I just sort of applied to their scholarship. They took me on and, and I really benefited from it, regardless of their relationship with the FA. It really helped me get from that level seven through to the, the, the core level three referee on the, the pathway to the higher leagues. And then I sort of fell into the FA. And, and, and in that time, Wiltshire FA had never seen me referee. They're busy. I don't know the rationale for that, but um, I never really had any assistance from that, which is fine. Um, Guy had done all that for me. I get to level three and I sort of stagnate a little bit. Um, I then start hitting that politics around observers and getting reports that we've all had. And I don't want to sit here and, and act like I've got uh, an axe to grind or be bitter. That's not my intention at all, but facts are facts. And I just got to a stage where I was like, Do you know what? I can't take these anymore. I think I'm improving. I'm looking around at other referees. First year, definitely not. And we're all kind of close. I do miss that. I've got it in rugby still, but, you know, Ben and I got on well, Sam, all these people that I refereed with, you know, they're good guys. You get to level three and I don't think you look around and go, 
you know, these guys are rubbish. We're, you know, the county, we're just building our wings here. Once you get to level three, you're into some serious football. You're into 2B on the, as an assistant. You're into the national leagues and you're looking to, you know, there's money flying about. You've got FA Cup appointments. You've, you're deciding clubs' futures. Um, these referees are skilled. They get training and they know what they're doing. But I looked around after a year or two and was like, well, I'm, I'm better than these guys now. It's arrogant to say, but I want to move on um, and I'm being held back. And you get a report and you just go, oh, well, on to the next one. And I just got one report where I had started that season in COVID, I think 2021. Um, Lee, who'd taken over the Centre of Excellence, had given me a, Roger East as a coach. Uh, he had all two Bs, If sorry if that's jargon, but guys that are in the National League South. Uh, I was a level three and I was in the top 10, I think, on the, the leaderboard because I carried over those marks. Happy, ready to rock and roll into the season. Ref the one all game at Swindon Supermarine and um, was okay. Didn't blow the socks off of it. But Roger was there, observer in the stand. Everything going good. Good debrief. Get a report. Really, really well written, detailed, excellent report with the worst mark I've ever had in my life in anything. So it just I knew I said to Ben before the podcast and to many people that I've said since I knew I'd never ref again when I got that. So, you, you know, you, you talk about why I got in, the love of it, the passion, the art. I just got to a stage where I was turning up and I was like, just not enjoying this. I don't mind Steve Claridge battering me for 90 minutes on the sideline at Salisbury. I get on really well with the guy. Um, we've had some great battles and I, I miss those as well. Um, but I'm not going anywhere and I've, I've sort of outgrown this. And then that comes in and you think, what am I doing it for? So, so, I, so I, I left football having appealed that and not been supported, albeit supported by my coach and uh, this, the core guys uh, and even up to Dan Meese. He's a, you know, I really get on with Dan and I think he's a really good guy. Helped me out. Um, but the FA decided they would stick with the report and I just thought, well, that's not democratic for me. So out, no shouting, no screaming, no toys. I just knew that journey was done. So there's just the question there is, so did you choose to walk away because you wanted, you had the itch to move forward Correct. and you felt like whoever or whatever wasn't going to open that gate to let you, let you scratch that itch? Yes, yes, because I want I want to excel. The point I'm trying to get across maybe clumsily is that I think everybody faces similar observers, but we all know that some people will do certain things to avoid them or they have favourites as politics. And there'll be politics at play in rugby. I haven't seen it yet. But in football, I just felt very much like um, I didn't agree a lot of the time with what was in there. And when it produces a mark, which I know I mentioned earlier around rugby not doing that, and you were saying about advantage, it's it's almost like we're putting ourselves into boxes. I just want to go out and ref. Yeah, yeah. I didn't ever come off a game. I can look you in the eye and say that. I didn't ever have an injury because I was in the top 10. Or I could have easily avoided certain people that we all talk about. Um, you might want to avoid me if people talk happy days. You know? <laughs> I'm certainly not perfect. But in terms of my refereeing, I will go out for right or for wrong, for the, whatever personalities are involved in the game. I'll referee the game. I'll do the best I can, be objective, and I will come off the game, and I'll be honest about my performance. And I wasn't... I made errors every game. I think people don't understand that referees know in every game they go into, they're hopefully it's not the big ones. It, 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 it's just your smash for it in football. And then the observer would have to be good, cute to get that mark out at the end that we're all, you know, it's all, they're all good referees. We're half a mark. I'm half a mark away from Ben on the league tip, probably seven marks from Ben the other way. But, um, <laughs> but, it, but, it's, but it's, you're talking one decision might decide whether Ben is in the National League South or, or, or I stay where I am and I'm mid-table. Like I said, that dropped me, that particular mark, from 10th to 85th. 
out of what was it 300 level threes mm -hmm. so so the question again i don't want to digress too much on the question it was you know what why did i leave i said that love just went when i got that i just i think i was already there a little bit with covid i'm not going to say that didn't have an effect you know yeah. but when you're getting to a stage where you're not looking forward to your appointment like my my appointments used to come from moas and i'd be like what have i got where am i going when i got to level three or my eight or oh, I'm going to see Richard Fay today at Melksham or something like that. Or thing. I, I, we all have the same people. We face the same issues. And I used to love that interaction. That went. That report came. I knew I'd never ref again. So I sat there with that report. The appeals process took about a month. Um, and it was based on actual FA guidelines around you know, two options. Law, if it's wrong in law, which never was. Um, or the written text doesn't match the overall mark. It didn't. I felt it did. They didn't. Happy days move on. Like I said, no toys out the pram. And then I just, that was it for me. I'm, I'm done with refereeing. I have a wasted eight years of my life or eight seasons. But football refereeing taught me loads of personality things that I didn't have. You know, it actually teaches you life skills, killing people with kindness, patience, you know, taking you to all these things I, I probably don't have as a skill were given to me by football. So I, I didn't waste it. And then I think I may have just been watching a rugby game, not a netball game, funnily, um, <laughs> or around us. Any, you know, no, no disrespect to those refs. No, no, no one messes with a netball ref if you watch those games. No, no, no. I was just, you know, provoking. Yeah, yeah. So I sat there watching that, and I do watch a bit of rugby. I think it would probably say, like, my second sport. I mean, if there's, if there's competition, I'll watch Tiddlywinks. You know, as a fighter yeah, and stuff, yeah. I, I'm just happy to see two people go at it. Yeah. One moment there, by the way. We are on the hunt for a Tiddlywinks referee. So if you are out there and you are known, please reach out to us directly. Yeah. Thank you kindly. No Back to you, and then Jay. they can educate them what Tiddlywinks is. I actually don't think I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no, so watching a rugby game, I believe, because I feel now when I say them and us, I look back and I go, I've just been doing rugby my whole life. I've actually got, I went out to mentor someone on Sunday and was like, what am I doing? I didn't even know what I was doing a couple of, you know, six months ago or whatever it was. Sorry, not six months ago, two years ago. But the, the, the point was, I just, I can't remember what actually happened. I think I watched a game and was like, hmm, that'll be interesting i wonder i used to look across to rugby and i'm going to mock myself a little bit now from football and i guess easy isn't it typical theme here shane thinking things are easy time off in rugby because they put time off a lot which is a positive which i'm sure we can compare and then they would go see you in two days go and have a and we'll let you know if it's a knock-on or not i thought they've got all the time in the world not knowing about the the tackle situation i presented and stuff like that so i, thought, oh, I could give this a go i didn't know how I knew a few rugby guys, so, you know, made some contacts with some people. Uh, they told me about the course. And I just started watching about four or five games of rugby a day. Yeah. I just got obsessed with, I need to get these games into my eyes. Imagine if you didn't ref, but you played, or you didn't ref, but you watched, or you coached. You've just got that knowledge of rugby mm -hmm. or football from watching in your eyes. And, you know, you just have that, you know that, that's a foul, or I think of I you can digest it, compute it, put it into action, advantage. I didn't have any of that. I don't know what crouch binding set is in a scrum. You guys don't. You're looking at me funny now. Yeah. I've got to control the scrum with three calls. I've got to give a pre-match brief to the front rows who I've never played in the front row. So I was just looking at it thinking, I need to, I need to pick this up quick. I need to do the course. I need to get out of referee fast. I need to do what I did in football, which is ref three or four games a week. So I did the course and I just happened to bump into a, a, a man called Tony Bowers, who's a Bristol society. Because unlike in football, where you have the, the, the jurisdictions around the FAs, um, they're super proactive in rugby. It's um, yeah, society. society. So, I, so you've got Dorset and Wiltshire. That's where I'm based. Yeah, yeah. That's who I touched base with. Um, I, and they were great with me and they told me about the course. Um, they just didn't seem to want to push they just said go and do some games and we'll get round to you 
Whereas Bristol were almost like, get here, we've got a real high level of rugby, we've got World Cup final referees. You know, Ed Morrison at Bristol refereed the 1995 Cup final in rugby. You won't have heard of it, but you might have seen the movie with Matt Day. You know, it's like they've done an actual movie on that game um, and it's gone and, you know, hit Hollywood. So he refereed that game. And I was out in South Africa um, this year and, you know, he has got sort of things up in there, museums and things like that. So he came and watched me in my first three or four games. And I mean, imagine that. You come across some football, you don't even know what you're doing, and you've got Ed Morrison giving you advice on, on, on. And so they really did take me in in Bristol. They really sort of made a fuss, acknowledged the MMA, the football. Let's just see how this guy goes, because because you think about the transferable skills that you would take from f- from football to rugby. I think it'd be harder the other way around with what you'd get in terms of descent and things and what you're used to. Sure. But you, you know, you're 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 supported. That you've got the universities there over in 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 Bristol in there, and you've got the private schools, and you've just got connections that they've got. I've been to the Dubai Sevens. I've had international appointments. I've been on exchanges to South Africa, all because of their connections. So in eighteen months, probably done as much in rugby as I did in football, and it's all thanks to to people like that because they've 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 really pushed me on. It's probably fair to say that, yes, we've talked about transferable skills and uh, things you've learned, but from yourself and your, your character, so you're quite a young person, you're chatting to anyone, you, you have that desire to learn. You then have your experience in jiu-jitsu, fighting internationally, doing that. You then went into referee and you learned really quickly in football and you got up the levels. Do you, think it's, do you think it's got anything to do with your ability to communicate and your desire to want to be better, which has helped you get the games that you've got and get as far as you've got in rugby in a really, probably really short space of time? Yeah, good, good question. It goes back to, back to the, the first question around, you know, what made you fall in love with it? Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to hold back. I'm a bit of a chatterbox. I do love the chat. I love the banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, I think you have to carry that in. And I've just said I'm mentoring a guy. And one thing was he had really good communication, um, a skill. I think that that can come naturally to some people, which it does for myself. Um, I'm not very good at adding up, even though I work in finance. I can't build you, can't build you anything. That's just, reassuring. Yeah, not 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 practical anyway. But just comms, fine. I think it's easier to dial down your comms than it is for someone that's very shy and reserved to bring it in, and, and it's not natural. So yeah, I do think communication helped me out a lot. I, I like building rapport with people. I like trying to not be too officious. So that's something that I can carry from football to rugby and, and, and obviously chatting to people. And it's a, you know, why do we do it? It's a laugh, isn't it? I like chatting to players. I like having a laugh. I like having one-liners. And you know, I still see, I still see interactions now in football and think, I think I'd have said that there, or I'd have I'd have had a bit of banter in there. And, and and you've got to find the balance. And rugby is, I think, a little bit more formal at times. And, you know, I saw an interaction on the weekend between a very senior player, might have been the England captain, and a very senior referee, and, and it didn't work out well. The guy asked him to effectively yellow card someone, but he was saying, that's three offences at the mall, sir. And then the reply was, I can count. Don't be rude to me. Don't, how dare you be? And that so it can spill in. So you say, I mean, rugby's not perfect, but the, the communication between yourself and a player, it's a balance. And I find I, was, I always struck that better than I didn't. And I think guys like Mark Holsey, if we can go back to football, he had that skill. I mean, I don't know whether running along these days and tapping Wayne Rooney on the bum would go down well, but he always did. He just, don't touch players was a mantra you were always told. Don't touch... I remember saying I do it all the time. That sounds weird. But I just think I've got an understanding of, of body language and when to and when not to. And I think that's really helped me. I absolutely, I'm quite authoritative, if that's a word. Um, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm not massive. 
but I think I've got a presence and I think that helps me with my communication. And sometimes I am abrupt and I've been told off in rugby, we connect comms up quite a lot, comms kits, and we record them and we listen to them. It's very, it's vital to listen to that communication, which we didn't really do in football, even at a low level, stick a Sennheiser, we call it, it's connected to the camera feed and it really holds you to account. There's nowhere for you to go. We call words matching pictures in rugby. If I say something that doesn't happen, can't really get away with it and also my interactions with players so I've got a coach now again fortunate I don't know if I've ever seen Guy Beal my football coach or Jeff Warren who's an ex-premier league ref himself and professional match official in the same room I believe that a lost guy disappeared for a couple of years and then appeared as Jeff Warren (laughs) same sort of guy very hard face very just wants me to get on and, and just gives it to me straight the amount of shoeings I've had on review with him but I'm really working on my communication. So, you you know, Ben was saying about, do you think your communication being a strength has helped you? Absolutely. But I'm still working on it. And you've got to be careful with being a little bit too friendly at times or or, or even just slipping into looking. And sometimes I've done that. You know, we we get chirped at, even in rugby, and eventually you just want to say, go away, leave me alone. That's the learning curve, right, isn't it? No, I think we spoke about it before that refereeing in football it takes a couple of years to learn that skill like we're expecting youth referees to go out there and be the best referee they've ever been and on an under 13s game the first time they've played a whistle it's not gonna happen it takes a few years to learn that skill learn when they can communicate effectively learn when they can have that banter and it's probably the same in it's the same in rugby you've yeah, got to learn being now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. It is. It, like communication is an important skill, and I think just the very fact that you have your the appetite to want to continue learning, uh, doing what you're doing today, engrossing yourself in a sport, like it just shows you how much you have in your own control, and like the opportunities that then for present themselves to you, like the opportunity to referee abroad, the opportunity to be involved in exchange programs. Part of me, like you, create your own luck. Yeah, but I so 100% agree. I also think that it's incumbent upon the sport to pick out the things that it likes and wants to see in it referees. So, you know, as a young kid, absolutely, it's going to be difficult. You're still 17, right? You're just, you're learning to be a person before, you know, your communication skills come out. But I think that they would watch on, let's say, the rugby guys. And I was fortunate, as I said, in Bristol, I think I refed the first 10 games and they sent seven or eight people to watch me. It was very softly, you know, we love the way he communicates. He he can run a game. I've done it in football. I've been, as yeah. you know, you guys have refereed in front of big crowds. It's like, I already know that pressure. I already know how to make one big decision that makes a game 1-0. I've given a pet in rugby. It's, you have got key match decisions or high impact decisions, but absolutely he's able to set a game up. He's able to speak to the players. You know, I turn up that first day and they're saying, sir, when would you like to speak to us, sir? And I'm like thrown back by what? Well, speak to you when? Oh, you've got to do a pre-match brief. I didn't know about. So you're thrown in. That's communication. You're speaking to the captains, but that's comms in the game. In the game, you've got to have that because without that, all you've got is the whistle. And if all you use is the whistle, I don't think you will warm up. Well, that's, and but we've all got that option. And I think that those referees that have got to the top, they are the best, the guys in football and the guys in rugby. But I look at rugby versus football. And again, we digress, but into an important area around comms, the communication is open to the public in rugby at the top level. And where do we digest sport? the most it's on tv the guys in the, yeah, even there's eighty thousand people there's seven million people watching it on tv and the process is all linked up and it's all communication based you are involved in the decision making process time off we'll have a look on the screen you'll hear what we're i'm seeing number four black has tucked his shoulder and hit number three red in the head for me that's high danger and i don't see any mitigation 
that's a red card. Do you agree? Do you agree? Does the guy in the box agree? We all agree. That's taken 30 seconds. But you as the viewer, you might go, I didn't see him tuck his arm at all. I thought it was, but you know where he's got to. Whereas in yeah, there. And, and look, you touch on a really good point. And I think we're going to have to get you back and talk about that very subject alone because there's a very interesting debate about, you know, should it be public? Should it not be yes. public? Is there a, is is it public because of the skill of the, the the individual talking about it? You know, I think you know we could spend another forty minutes talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to thank you, Shane, first off, just because of the insight you've given us into into rugby and your experience from football uh, and going into a different sport. It's been really, really interesting. So we're going to carry on with the theme of season two, introducing the quick fire round. Hopefully you enjoyed it first time. Here we go again, this time with uh, Shane. Shane, you're ready for some quick fire questions? They don't need to be one. No, no, no. So Shane, if you could take one thing from rugby and introduce it into football, what would it be? One thing. Um... I'd probably go with the time element. I do think the, the the time off thing and the sole control of the time in rugby, it just removes all that stress. There's no injury time. No one's ever asking me about the time in rugby. I'm just left to decide when we stop, when we start. And when we get to 80 minutes, the ball goes out and that's the end. I just think in football, um, it, I know they've added all those extra minutes in in in. in we just don't need any of that stress. You don't need time. There's no time wasting, really. Um, it's just I never feel any pressure when it comes to time. It's just night and day when it comes to, to that in football. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's the best way. What's your um, sporting hero or who is your sporting hero? Oh, difficult one. So I thought about the 90s when I was a kid. I'm an Everton fan for my sins, albeit not so much since being a referee and with them being so poor now. Um, but Duncan Ferguson would probably be mine. Big, tough, six foot four Scotsman. When Everton were rubbish in the 90s, he'd just come in absolutely smashing everyone. And uh, it was funny to watch. Scored some big goals in the Merseyside derbies back when Everton won a few of those as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not so much uh, today. So. No, not so much anymore. Uh, OK, so one of our other questions was, who's your favourite team? I'm going to go with it's Everton, right? So yeah. I'll answer that for you. So I'll ask you the next one. Um, football or rugby? Rugby. Because so referee or watch? Uh, I think both now because I've fallen out of love with football around the the refereeing, but also what VAR has done. I know it's a whole different podcast; we don't need to get into it. But I do think the grey has been removed from football, and it's and it's worse off for it. Um, I think I prefer rugby to watch now. Now I understand what's going on, um, and I think again that's a barrier to entry. But in terms of refereeing and watching. I just think there's more scores, there's more to get your teeth into. Um, it's just a better sport culturally around abuse and things like that. And and, and just, yeah, it's, it's right on my street. Can I involve that one extra thing on the same thing? So you've been involved in lots of different sports now. Yes. What's your favourite sport to be involved in? Um, as, a, as a spectator, anything. As um, all of it combined, what is your favourite sport you've been involved in? And again, it's, it's recentism a little bit, but I think it will be rugby. I've grown out of the MMA because I'd even look at it now and think, man, those people are getting absolutely punched over there. You know, they're going to remember their kids in a few years. I do think there's a skill required in, a, in martial arts. So I love jiu-jitsu. I love the, the, the martial art aspect of MMA, football. As a kid, I did, but I, I look back now and I go, God, I used to shout and scream at that guy a lot and pay money to do that. And football's just... There's just that, that for me there needs to be changes to invite me back in in, in terms they probably don't want me but to, to, to for me to watch and things but rugby just it seems to have everything and I know we spoke off air about there are still issues it's not perfect it's things it needs to fix but I just enjoy the the everyone's in it together they want the ref to do well they want the players they, they, it's a big hard collision sport but we all shake hands and leave it on the green bit and we don't get bust off after the game we sit in a room 
we have a beer, we have some food, we discuss the game, and everybody wants you to do well. Yeah, nice. Club rugby or international rugby to watch? Uh, international rugby, um, it's just some, there's something about those test matches. You know, if you just watch the most recent World Cup in rugby, I think even the average fan, um, it was just unbelievable. Some of those teams, the Ireland, South Africa games, the France, New Zealand, you know, you, you effectively had about seven finals. Um, yeah, it was special. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So I think it's the final question, and I'm going to break it down into two, just to elongate it a little bit, because I think you're going to give some good answers. What is your current biggest sporting achievement? And if we were to fast forward and sit here in five years' time, what would you like your next biggest sporting achievement to be? So for a guy that was a bit of a softy as a kid, uh, a footballer, a goalkeeper, so not even a tough footballer, it was a, um, uh, a weird one for me to be getting into mixed martial arts back when it wasn't popular and now everyone says, oh, I'm a cage fighter and stuff like that. In the mid-2000s, I thought it was fake. I didn't know what was going on. So to get into that sport, to earn the respect of those guys, to move through that as a guy in his late 20s, so not your athletic peak, um, and to, to fight in a televised match for a title for me was massive because, of, you know, again, another podcast could be done on the, the mental and physical uh, readiness you need to have to get in a cage. So for me, absolutely fighting MMA, main eventing and winning, amazing. I don't think I'll top that potentially. Um, right. Doesn't mean that's my life over. Uh, but the next question was around what, what I want it to be in five years. Yeah, I think five years I'd have to shorten down because five years are long and I'm, I'm refereeing rugby now. I've got a massive game this Saturday uh, to referee, which is, you know, it's great. They've pushed me, the, you know, the RFU have sort of picked me up and given me a, a game uh, to do. I'd like to think that goes well. Um, in rugby, they call level three and four their national panel. The levels don't really match up, but you'd almost call that league one and league two. So that's next on the horizon for me as a former football referee with no rugby experience that's 18 months in to have the national panel on the horizon. I'd like to think in the next couple of seasons, if I can hit the national panel at 32, at 45, <laughs> um, that would be a huge achievement and it would sit alongside my, my mixed martial arts and I'd be very thankful to, to Bristol and, and to Jeff and Ed and all the guys there that, that have helped me get there. So yeah, really, really hoping that goes well for me. Well, best of luck for this Saturday then. Thank you. The final thought is, can you share a piece of advice to our listeners, to those referees, whether they be newly qualified like you were at 32 or whether they're newly qualified at 14 or 16? Like, What piece of advice would you give them about how to um, be better or how to set their mindset or what to focus on? Just a little something that they can that they can take away from your experience. And so one piece of advice to give any fledgling referee of, of football or rugby or maybe any sport, any sport yeah. you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes and it's fine. And you're going to have to embrace that. And I think that's something that helped me in, in, in jiu-jitsu. You lose every day on the mats. Um, in refereeing, I understand I'm going to make errors every day. I just want to not do them again. I want to understand what's made that happen and create a safe environment for yourself, whether it be with a mentor, um, have someone you can bounce off a friend, get footage if possible, but try and have a hot debrief with yourself maybe afterwards to just write down why that error potentially happened and what happened. Have a break, don't stress out, look at it, put it right, then the next game you'll be okay. Because when you get to the top, you find most of those referees, they've made all the mistakes. Yeah. There isn't anything else that's new to them. And they've embraced it and they're still potentially not getting everything right. So the, the question was, what for a fledgling referee would my piece of advice it would just be to understand you're going to make mistakes. 
embrace it and then just move on and get better. Great. Brilliant. Very Thanks succinct. Thanks very much. Shane, it's been a pleasure listening to you. Thanks for having me. It's been really interesting to understand the difference between the two. Uh, and we, we wish you the best with um, Saturday. But also, you know, maybe we might see you on the telly with the um, with Rugby Union. Who knows? All goes well. All goes well. Shane, thank you ever so much for your time. And hopefully we will get you back for a part two. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, Ollie.